Thanks, Katie. Hi, everyone. Hope we're doing well. And a massive welcome if you've just moved to Nottingham and uh, this is your first weekend here. You have come to a great city. You have lots of fun ahead exploring it. And I have a hunch that you might, in fact, have moved to God's favorite city. <laughs> you can kind of see, you know, as you spend your time here, if you agree with that or not. But um, great to have you here. And uh, may God bless you this morning. We're actually starting a, a new series um, as, as a church this morning. Uh, so it's a great time to, uh, to, to be here. Um, and uh, the series is called Disciple Making Community Defining Our Culture. And uh, it, it comes out of uh, a prophetic word that God spoke to us uh, from the book of Isaiah in the Bible about 18 months or so ago, um, where uh, the, the scripture says, Remember not the former things. Or consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'll make a a way in the wilderness and and rivers in the desert. And as as God spoke to us about doing that new thing, we felt him begin to reaffirm our identity as a church in that we are to be a disciple-making community. That's our vision statement. That's what we work to. And... um, as he spoke to us, just an increased conviction that we're to be planting churches out from this place and other ministries that would be birthed from here. We, just, we felt as elders that the next step in this journey was to begin to talk through some of the things that define us, some of what we consider important, some of our cultural values, if you like, hallmarks of the church. And so that's what we're going to begin looking through today. And uh, the first one of those uh, is first for a reason, because it's all about the Bible. And uh, we call it We Believe, and uh, here's how we've defined it. The Bible is God's word, and it speaks to us today. Everything we believe comes from seeing who God is through scripture. So we use it and preach from it in order to know God more. And so this morning... I want to talk about what does that look like in practice? And we could spend time talking about how the Bible works itself out in in church life, how we use it, you know, in in preaching on Sundays and the the different contributions that you saw in worship coming out from a um, a, a verse in scripture that talks about when we come together, each one of us has, has something to bring. But ultimately, when we talk about our culture, it is said of culture that it's not the statement on the wall it's the action down the hall, yeah? And so when we talk about enjoying the Bible together as a church, actually the question is, how do we enjoy it? How do we prioritize it individually? Because we are the church, yeah? It's not this building, it's not, it's not the name, it's, it's the people that make up the church. What does it mean for us individually? Now, if you're new to Christianity or um, uh, kind of asking some questions about Jesus and what it means to be a Christian, then we believe that the Bible is the word of God, the revelation of God, God's great story that we are caught up into, that a God who is so worthy of utter praise and adoration has decided to share his love with humanity and created this wonderful salvation story that each of us might have our lives changed by him, be rescued by him, and be caught up with him on his great mission to make his name known all across the earth. And he's revealed himself in the scriptures. 
in the word of God, as we call it, completely without error. They are as he wants them down to the letter. They stand up to scrutiny. And most of us in the room could uh, agree with that, perhaps even articulate that. And yet, when it comes to talking about the Bible and reading the Bible, maybe you can identify it is one of the hardest things to feel like you are doing to the extent that you want to be doing it. And we are experts at listening to the voices of condemnation that tell us, oh, we should be doing it more. I want to encourage us this morning, and we're going to keep coming back to this, that our status before God and his delight in us is not dependent on how much we've read the Bible, but solely on the finished work of Jesus. That your every sin, your every mistake, your every wrongdoing has been completely wiped clean. And now forever, you hold over yourself his perfect record of life lived before the Father. And yet, it's that question, isn't it? How, what is it, I wonder, that is the biggest barrier to you to reading the Bible more? We can all relate to more, can't we? Whether it's something you love to do, something you struggle to do. I wonder what your biggest barrier is. Maybe it's feeling like there's a lack of time to do it. Maybe you find it difficult to read or reading generally difficult. Maybe you feel a sense of inadequacy as you, you read it and, and what it says. Maybe it's a, a difficulty with believing it or even a, a fear of, of what it might say. Perhaps you feel like, oh, I'd, I'd rather just worship or I'd rather pray. I, I feel a, a more instant connection as I do those things. Or maybe it's, oh, I know what it says, so you know, I, I don't really need to kind of be engaging with it anymore. I want you to identify those things in your mind and just park them for a moment. Because this morning, we are going to look about what the Bible says about the Bible. And I want to cast a vision for us of what can happen as we engage with the Scriptures. And ultimately, the wonderful, beautiful, glorious God that we encounter as we read them. Your word is a lamp to my feet, the psalmist says. So I want to look at what is it that the Scriptures light up for us? Or to give the game away, who? So we're going to be in a passage of scripture in the New Testament, the latter part of the Bible. It's everything from Jesus onwards. Uh, so it's a letter called 2 Timothy. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 3 from verse 14. If you've got a Bible with you, then feel free to turn there. Um, if not, the words are going to come up on the screens. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, what's going on here is that there's a guy called Paul who planted lots of churches, wrote lots of the New Testament, and he is writing to a, a spiritual son, if you like, of his called Timothy, someone that he had helped to grow up in the faith. 
And um, uh, Paul is under arrest at this point. There are lots of people after his life, and he is kind of contemplating um, the end of his life, in essence. He knows his, his time is short. And in that same way as sometimes with um, uh, family members who've, who've passed on or friends who've passed on, there's a, a, a kind of prioritizing of uh, on their deathbed, they said to me, dot, dot, dot. It's almost kind of what, what is it that's important that they really want to communicate to you? That's, that's the feel of the letter of 2 Timothy. What does, uh, uh, what does Paul want to say to Timothy that is so important that he knows he must stick to? Timothy, as it happens, is encountering some difficulties which actually are quite similar to some of the challenges that, that we face in our society. So uh, it talks of times of difficulty. It talks of lots of different values, different opinions. Uh, it talks of irreverent babble uh, about the meaning of life that, that is going on. But we cannot ignore the point that Paul, almost on his deathbed, writes to Timothy, struggling with all sorts of opinions, and he tells him to go back to the Bible. He doesn't talk about simply managing a situation well. He doesn't talk about engaging with people where they're at, though he may in other places. When Timothy is struggling against all manner of opinions, he says, Timothy, buddy, you've got to go back to Scripture. You've got to go back to the Bible because it is completely authoritative because it is the word of God, because God has breathed it out, inspired every letter through human authors, but exactly as he wants it to communicate his great message of love to you. It actually provides authority in a culture that is pretty anti-authority. I wonder if you've noticed this throughout your life in, in UK society, if, you, if you're from another society, it'd be uh, really interesting to know if this is your experience true, uh, too. That starts off in school, doesn't it? The championing of the kid who has not done their homework amongst his peers. Have you done it yet? Have you? Nope, I've not done it. I'm going to face the wrath of the teacher. It moves into uni with exams, doesn't it? The bragging rights belong to those who, oh, I've done so little revision for this exam. And almost sort of a, a, a self kind of proclamation of, of the way that they have kind of gone against the authority. Through even into life and work. Oh, my boss says this, but actually I kind of tend to just do my own thing. Yeah, I'm my own boss, I'm my own man. And through even to the end of life, and as is often quoted, the most popular song played at funerals, I did it my way. Yeah? You know, our culture isn't so much anti-authority as self-authority. Me as authority. I know best. I define it. What's right for me is right for me. That's what our culture says. Which is interesting, because that's exactly how the Bible defines sin. In us considering ourselves to know better than God. And so into that, the Bible speaks a better, a truer, a more authoritative and clear word. It defines what is right and wrong. It tells us God's word. It says that it is the sword through which we fight life. How does it do that? Because it brings clarity. It brings clarity in a world of confusion. 
And I don't know if you can relate to this, but the more I engage in the world, the more I begin to think like the world. And sometimes, if we're distant from Scripture, we can begin to veer. We can begin to mix our priorities up. We can begin to make decisions that aren't necessarily in line with the Scripture. Do you know, when I do that, I need saving from that. The Bible gives an authority that saves me from myself. There are times in our society where authority or guidance is put in place to save us from ourselves. That's why the government's considering a sugar tax, for instance. You know, we love to eat sugar, don't we? I love chocolate. Sometimes I need saving from myself. Maybe it's a little bit more serious. Maybe it's the drink drive limit saving you from yourself. Maybe it's even the, the criminal law system. You think if everyone was just living for themselves and there was no legal system, it's utter anarchy. Everyone living for themselves. But the Bible brings a clarity for us in a culture of confusion. And it says that the man who, or woman who bases their life on it is like one who chooses to build a house on a completely rock-firm foundation. So that when the, the shifting um, storms of culture come, when the difficulties come, when the numerous opinions and you don't know what to think come, your foundation, your life is secure. Whereas it talks about if we build our lives on simply what society says, then when the storms come, our house falls flat. It gives clarity, but it gives us confidence as well because this is God's revealed word to us. And the more we read it, the more we engage with its truth, the more we come, become convinced of how glorious and wonderful our God is and who he has made us to be, the more we become convinced that he will bless according to his words, the more we get to know our identity. And nothing is truer than who we are in Christ. And you know, as we talk about these things, as we talk about anything in church life and you think, yeah, I really want to go for that. And then the voices of condemnation come. The Bible speaks a better word that you are righteous in Christ no matter your actions. That he's not dependent on you reading the Bible. That he's not dependent on how much you've prayed. He's not dependent on whether you do this or that or the other. But you are set free by the finished work of Jesus. Because the Bible tells me so. There was a, a theologian called J.I. Packer, wrote loads of books, astonishingly clever guy. Towards the end of his life, someone said to him, if you could sum up everything you'd learnt in your academic career, decades of learning, all the different concepts you've wrestled with and books you've written, places you've lectured, lives you've changed, how would you sum it up? He said this, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It speaks a better word. It's authoritative. But do you know what? It's actually useful too. Now, that might sound a little bit irreverent. You think, can you ask the question, is the Bible actually useful? But do you know the difference between us wanting to engage with it and just feeling bad because we don't always do it to the extent we want, is how convinced we are that it actually makes a difference. 
You know, you make space for what you value, don't you? It's why every Saturday afternoon, I make space looking out for the Stoke City football result. And I'm disappointed every single week. <laughs> it's, it's the time equivalent of putting your money where your mouth is. It's what makes the difference when you have those decisions of, do I sleep for a little bit longer, or do I go to God in the scriptures? Do I just go off to the gym today, or do I learn more about who God is in the scriptures? You know, do I just give my life to working, and any engagement with God in the Bible just gets crowded out? Average use of adult, uh, um, average number of hours an adult uses social media these days. Three hours a day. And yet we all feel so busy, don't we? But it says here in verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful. It is actually useful. It changes your life because it is living and active. The scriptures say that they are sharper than a double-edged sword and that they can pierce to the parts of your life that are so difficult to get to. They can pierce the difference between joint and marrow, between soul and spirit. The bits that conventional human wisdom just cannot get to or doesn't last in. The word of God can change you, can make you more like Jesus. He says it's useful for teaching and for rebuking. You know, sometimes when I'm wandering off with silly thoughts about maybe God doesn't love me so much, I need rebuking. I need reminding by the authoritative, clear, useful word of God that he has given himself for me, permanently, forever. It's useful for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's everything that we need to know for life and for godliness. Let me ask you this question. What do you want to be known for? You think, t 10 years' time, what do you want people to look at your life and say, he's really good at that, or she really prioritized this? Just think for a moment. And I want to encourage us that if those dreams and visions that we have are inspired by God, as would be an excellent idea, the fullest way to fulfill them is to receive his revelation as to how life works and how you can come into the fullness of them. So maybe you want to be known, I'm a person who just loved my kids. Well, come to the one from whom, the father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Maybe you want to be known as a wonderful spouse who just loved your other half through thick and thin, or come to the one who gave himself for his bride. Maybe you want to be known as an expert in your field, an expert amongst your colleagues. Well, come to the one in the scriptures who does all things well. Maybe you want to grow in your prophetic gifting. Come and hear the revelation of God to you. Maybe you want to see more healings. They're throughout scripture. Whatever it is, I want to encourage you not to miss out on getting to the fullness of all that God has for you simply because we didn't understand that this book is the way to do it. It has power to change us. 
power to shift things in us, to change our thinking. It says that it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. We don't so much read it as it reads us. You know, even Jesus needed the scriptures. He learned them. He taught them. He prayed them. He quoted them. And then he fulfilled them. It was in the wilderness, facing all the accusations of the enemy, as we still do, that he quoted scripture to keep himself in the truth. It was on the cross that he quoted scripture. It was taking those two guys on the road to Emmaus through the entire Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, and explaining how it all points to him. You see, as you read it, God will work in you. Sometimes we can read the Bible with quite an instant gratification culture in mind. You know, you can almost kind of read the Bible to feel good. Or if I read the Bible, I'll have a good day. And I I don't want to speak against any ability of the scriptures to do that because there's been loads of times where I've read the Bible and my whole mind is blown because I realize just how much God loves me and how powerful and in control he is. But if you're just looking for an instant feeling, then as you're going through the lists, you know, we've all been there, so-and-so was a son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, son of so-and-so, and unless you're looking for a baby name and like slightly obscure names... You're not going to have that, wow, my God is wonderful. But something happens to you as you read this book. Your character changes because you meet the very one that they are talking about. You hear people say, I I struggle with scripture because I, I just want to be with Jesus. Come and be with Jesus, the lover of your soul. This is his great story of how his name is going global and he wants you in on it. It tells you who you are because of who he is. See, the Bible's not ultimately about us. It's a bit of a shock when you first realize that. It's his great story. But we get caught up in that because of the finished work of Jesus. We are now in him. This is how we can still struggle with difficulty and yet know that he's still in control. This is how there can be things in my life that I long to change, and yet know that he is completely in control and doing as he wills, because I am in him now. And my status and his delight in me is not being affected by my inability to meet the standards. Because through Jesus, I'm already qualified. You know, my... My little girl Lizzie was at a zoo recently and um, she was standing on a bench and she was peering into uh, one of the enclosures and it was like meerkats or something. I don't know how an 18-month-old knows what a meerkat is. I presume Mr. Tumbles told her, but who knows. She's pointing them out from this bench outside. Meerkat, meerkat. Well, she didn't know you could go into the enclosure You could walk around, open the gate, and go right in. 
Some people read the scriptures like that from a distance. I want to tell you, Jesus is right here in the pages of this book. He will encounter you. He will change your life. He will cause you to believe more for yourself because of the promises that are in the Bible. And that is why the Bible is so utterly invitational. It's his great story but we are called up into it with him. We know who we are because of who he is. We are defined by him. People say if you take Christ out of Christian, well, Ian's a good guy, but he's not going to do much for you. We are defined by him, by his finished... I'm here all week, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We're defined by him. I just want to encourage us not to live with fridge magnet Christianity. You know what I mean by that? You know, you get the, the, one, the one verse, it goes up on the fridge, it's sort of, it's inspirational. And God can speak in those, in those ways. I'm not decrying that at all. But there's a whole story here. There's a whole engagement of you with him. If you long for those times where you just are utterly overwhelmed by his presence, I would love you to know that you can go deeper into him. Those experiences can become even greater by knowing the scriptures. And if I was to live my marriage the way that some people live fridge magnet Christianity, how strange would that be? Just living with one-off statements that my wife says to me every once in a while that I kind of remember for the day and then forget. That's usually how I remember the things she's asked me to do for a few hours and then I forget. You know, that there is a whole journey here, just as we have a whole journey in my marriage of the day that I first met her, the whole story of history and all of our future. How much more with the scriptures, the God that knew you before the dawn of time, that called you out, that chose you in him to have this wonderful encounter with him that he would purpose you, that he would call you to do great things in his name. You will know that even more, experience that even more, and grow even more to become like him through your engagement with the scriptures. We were created to worship him. And our worship doesn't have to stay at the extent of the words we can think of or the songs we can write, wonderful and beautiful as they are. It comes by seeing a glimpse of him. It's worth the hard work. It's worth plowing the ground. Because you change as you do it. You might say to me, oh, well, that's all very good, John, but do you know what? I I really want to read the Bible more. I really want to do it. But I just find myself coming short. I try. I feel like there's almost a chasm between where I am and and where I want to get to. I can perceive it, but I can't get there. And I would say to you, welcome to the gospel. Welcome to the message of scripture. That there are plenty of things that of our own volition, we just cannot get to, we cannot achieve. When we see the holiness, the purity, the righteousness of our God, we know that we just can't get there. We know we want to be there, but we just can't get there. And what happens? 
God comes himself in the person of his son, the ultimate revelation of who he is, the living word. And he allows us to come back to him. He gives us a new heart so that our old heart of stone that couldn't get us to where we want to now is a new heart where we want to be with him. He gives us power to change. He fills us with his Holy Spirit so that we can become more like him. So now if you are in Christ, you can take this, you can say, God, I want to know more of you. You can pray, help me to want to engage with your scriptures and the Spirit's presence will flood your life and work in you and change you as he gives you the grace to do this because you are a new creation. What do we do with this then? Well, first of all, I would encourage nobody to do anything from a place of condemnation. If you're like, oh, I really should be reading the Bible more. Please ask someone to help you to see the central message of the Bible, that you are not under condemnation anymore. We had that scripture about the law and all its demands earlier, but now the new way in Christ. You have freedom because of him. But we actually have, starting this Wednesday, a course called Explore the Bible, which is very well timed, as if the Lord must have planned it. (laughs) We didn't. And it's run by um, a wonderful guy in our church called Josh. He leads one of the Ignite Children's Groups. He's astonishingly clever. He knows his Bible, and he is superb at making it super accessible. I have done the course. It was wonderful. You can sign up for that. There's limited places, but you've got a head start on the seven o'clock meeting and you're slightly behind the nine o'clock meeting. You can go onto our website and you can sign up for that. It's a three-week course starting this Wednesday, if that would help you. But for others, it will simply be about finding a time or a method of reading the Bible that works for you. Whatever time of day you want to carve out, whether it's reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, watching things to do with the Bible. Maybe it's meeting up with others to discuss the Bible. Maybe you could pick a book and think, right, I'm going to go through that book. As a church, we're going to start the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. It's the second book from January through to about summer. You could come to that already in some of the beauty and the wonder of how God has inspired that. But whatever you do, I want to encourage you to come with the expectation that you will be changed by him. This is beautiful, wonderful, and incredibly dangerous stuff. You'll be changed. But you'll encounter Jesus, and you'll become more like him, the lover of your soul. Let's have the band.